0: Welcome to a special episode of Mental Radio, Mindfulness, Becoming the Observer, with Dr. Broderick Sawyer. If you want to know more about the project, check out mentalhealthmedia.org slash meditation, where you can find more meditations like this one, and free and low-cost meditation resources. After the meditation, there is a Q&A with Dr. Broderick, which is at about the 13-minute mark. And you can hear more about uh, what this meditation is all about, uh, next steps, uh, what to do if you're having a hard time, so on and so forth. So be sure to stick around to check that out. And with all of that said, I will let Dr. Broderick take it away.
1: So what we're going to do here is first start to close the eyes. And what you wanna do is find a comfortable position in your seat. And meditation is really about not taming your mind. You're trying to see it clearly, exactly as it is. And once you see it clearly, then it has a harder time roping you into believing certain things about yourself certain things about others. And a lot of problems can be solved just by seeing the mind clearly. Not to solve the problems that the mind brings up, but just to see the mind itself, you see. Rather than adjust the pictures that you're taking with the camera, just adjust the setting on the camera itself. That's what we're doing. So with any practice, you want to start by taking very deep, slow and easy in breaths into the lungs So start by taking very deep in breaths I'll so really breathe all the way in and then let go at the top of the out-breath so just let go you want to keep breathing in this way so it's a combination of breathing all the way in nice and easy in-breath And let it go all the way, all the way, all the way out. And then breathe all the way in. And this time, when you let go, let your shoulders go a little bit. Let the neck go. With each out-breath, start to let go of any tension in the jaw the muscles in the face, maybe tension in the lower back or the legs or the hands or in the neck, anywhere, you might feel tension, we're using the breath to send the body a message, we're breathing in, and then we're, uh, telling the body, let go, relax body, just relax, take it easy, and then as our body relaxes a bit, our mind can relax a bit too, and at this point in the meditation, you can let your breath resume at a natural rhythm, so no more deep breaths, just let your breath breathe itself. So you're not controlling the breath. You are witnessing a body breathing. Witnessing something happening automatically. Just like you hear sounds happen automatically. You can hear your breath happening automatically. Just really let go of that tendency to control. You want to witness. Don't be yourself. Just watch a self happening. That includes your breath. That includes sounds, feelings, thoughts. You are watching your experiences as if they are happening to someone else. all sounds all thoughts just another experience just another part of the show anything that's happening so now addressing the mind from this space so as you can see the attitude is one of watching so you're watching here you are, you're letting your breath breathe itself. You're watching the breath. You might watch these sounds, you might watch an emotion, a body sensation. Things are happening, and you are experiencing those things. And you're sort of watching the experience instead of getting caught up. In the experience and identifying with it and having an opinion about it so that's the attitude the basic attitude of meditation is this observer awareness So here we are observing step one and now step two I want us to look directly at our thoughts so what this means is shining The light of awareness on that voice or the pictures in our heads. Just watching, just watch with the same attitude. You don't care what the mind says either way. This observer is only aware. So you might see slow thoughts, fast thoughts, happy thoughts, sad thoughts, but it doesn't matter to you because you are the observer. These thoughts are coming from someone else. So I want you to just sit in this space of no preferences for what your mind says or does sit right there and just look directly at the mind with this energy of witnessing without controlling and I'll leave some silence here for you to do that remembering that if you get caught up in the mind Remember to let go again. Remember that you are the observer. And if the mind is still talking, I want you to make a conscious attempt to not talk to the mind. Just really sit back further and further until you aren't involved in your mind. Until the mind is separate from the observer. And really choose the observer. Notice the silence between thoughts. And notice what happens to your thoughts when you don't get involved in them versus when you do. Notice the tone of the voice that the mind has, or which pictures, which thoughts it's choosing. Notice but don't get involved. Again it's helpful to you the mind is someone else. This way we can really let it go, let go of that control. Let go of our tendency to play with our thoughts. Just sit back. And once practiced enough, we can learn to sit back on command. The more we practice sitting in this observer awareness as we watch our thoughts. Our thoughts become more like noises or sounds. Our thoughts become just like the breath. Just another thing that is ongoing. Rises and falls just like every experience. You just have to learn to sit back while we allow our thoughts to just say different things without getting involved. So taking just one more full in-breath, one last full out-breath, and whenever
0: you're ready, you can open the eyes and come back to the room. So, Dr. Broderick, what was the meditation that we just listened to?
1: Hmm. What was it? It is experience. Experience without the fixation on naming things, right? So as you sit in what we kind of call the observer, right? That was me making it very, very clear that there are two parts to your consciousness, There's the part that is, um, you know, sort of uh, notices things. And then there are things that happen. And when we're observing sounds, right? So there's a sound that is uh, sort of coming into our awareness, and then it falls away. And there's a thought that comes into our awareness, it falls away. So those experiences um, are being experienced by some knower, some seer, some awareness. So that particular practice, when practiced frequently, we start to develop and grow this observer awareness until we start to identify with the observer more than our thoughts. So um, think about that. In that meditation, if you were able to watch your thoughts without getting all caught up in them, think about the next time you're having a bad day and thoughts of, you know, Um, oh, I'm I'm a piece of shit, you know, this, that, whatever thoughts kind of come in your head. What if you could sit back and observe those as more experiences rather than you? And that was really the point of that meditation is to view all experience um, just as perception, you know, all just, you know, blowing in the wind, just the same kind of substance and the observer itself always remains the same. It's silent, it notices, um, but it doesn't have to follow anything. That's really what that meditation is about, making that distinction between observer and observed, and that we are really the observer, not the things that we observe.
0: And is this what people call mindfulness? We see mindfulness all over the news did we just mm-hmm. do mindfulness? Have we been inducted mm-hmm. into the world of mindfulness?
1: Oh yeah, and, and this, uh, in this particular um, form of mindfulness, uh, it's less about what you might see, you know, in the news. I think we talk about, well, you know, we want to be less stressed. You know, we 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 work a lot, and we want to be less stressed in our daily lives and whatnot, and da da da. Um, so that's kind of the uh, you know the westernized form of mindfulness, the capitalist form of mindfulness. We're all stressed out, so let's let's all relax, right? So that meditation, while you might feel relaxed, that meditation philosophically is designed to show you who you really are, which is the observer. So that is the uh, really the core of um, of mindfulness um, or meditation practice when we think about uh, Eastern, um, you may call them spiritual traditions such as Buddhism, Hinduism, um, but as you read about these things, it's philosophy. We're just sitting around talking about what we are and then using certain methods to uncover that. Um, and then these methods uh, and the way that I teach is really rooted Uh, in an understanding um, for myself and things that I've tried for myself uh, as well as working with um, many patients over the years uh, about what consciousness really is, what gets people sort of caught up, and what brings relief and how can we bring that into awareness uh, in a mechanical way uh, through a specific type of meditation practice. How can we realize what we are? Um, And that is the observer and then you can sort of see in your meditation, in that meditation we just did, that I could let my thoughts pass without saying anything back. And then there was a space. And then there was another thought. What the hell was that space? You know, and that space uh, is um, is like a dark night sky. You look up, you see all those um, those stars, everything like that. Uh, and that's really what you are. And each experience is just, uh, you know, just like another lightning bolt um, you know, hitting the ground, but you ultimately are that dark, empty, spacious sky. And practicing in this way brings about that realization. Um, so then thoughts no longer bother you as much. Strong emotions don't bother you as much. You don't suppress them um, and you don't overindulge in them. They just are just another experience, um, all just a reminder that you are indeed alive. Uh, and that's that. Um, so, yeah.
0: So the first, this is the second meditation that we did. The first one we did was mm-hmm. breath work. This one was more of a mindfulness meditation. Do these things work together? Should you do them together mm-hmm. or separate? Are they connected? Mm-hmm. Are they, to- should you just do one or the other? How does it work?
1: Mm-hmm. So it all depends on um, on your personal experience. So what that means is, um, I guess I'll just tell talk a little bit about how uh, some patients of mine use them as well as how I might use different practices. So the breath work is to rework your relationship with your breath. So a lot of people don't breathe. uh, So they don't know when they are upset um, versus not. So they might be more reactive when they're not in tune with whether they are relaxed or not. Uh, So that first meditation is really for beginners. If you're new to meditation, you want to master that ability to soothe yourself with your breath it's great right before bed, right before bedtime. It sort of reduces that fight-flight-freeze response, your stress hormone, cortisol gets turned down. Uh, so if you have, a, I don't know, a big presentation or something you're nervous about, that's a great time to use that particular meditation. Um, or uh, if you're doing that meditation daily, um, which I would encourage if folks are really interested in you know, learning what it is to practice something daily, um, then you want to use that basic practice of breathing all the way in, and letting go and softening, right? And I can do that at any point throughout the day. Um, so that's the that's the first piece. Um, so that's the first meditation. I think it's a it's a foundation. Um, very great for beginners, um, and also I think people with um, mental health issues just starting there, learning what it feels like to be safe. Uh, then the second piece is more of an ex- existential piece um it's a little bit more difficult if you i think if you are new to meditation to sit in that observing awareness um but once we relax our bodies turn down you know that fight flight freeze response cortisol's down now our awareness sort of opens up so you think about like uh i don't know a horse with blinders on when we breathe and feel relaxed then those blinders sort of open up a little bit and then we can uh, see more of what's there more shades So uh, I think a good example is you see a picture on the wall the picture on the wall uh, Is being seen in contrast to the color of the wall it's on So frequently we only look at things as stand alone, but as we relax we see the context that bring about it, different things uh, So then once we're sort of in that more relaxed space we can see that there are things here that are shifting. There's a fuller experience. Now let's sit in our observing awareness and let those experiences run without doing anything. So that can be tricky for folks because we might uh, see things that we don't like. We might experience emotions that we're still judging, right? So um as uh, we engage in these types of practices especially for that second meditation practice um use your own awareness to guide you if it's too intense or it's just not making sense then good good time to pop on the first meditation you know it's just maybe where you're at learning what it feels like to be safe and then uh, as you let your thoughts run just hanging back in that awareness or um just sticking to sounds as well so just you know sitting there and listening to sounds without naming them just really learning to watch without judging or saying anything back to your experiences all experiences learning to see them as one from this perspective of this observer and then you'll notice that you have much less reactivity to these experiences, as if, oh no, I had the thought that this means that. This is like that other time when I had that, da da da. And now you see all that meaning that's getting loaded into there. And then now I'm emotionally reacting to that meaning that I myself am creating by uh, sort of identifying with my experience rather than just saying, huh, something was observed. What's next? Huh, something is. And also, that more expansive awareness um, cranks up the volume on our creativity. So if I only think that, oh, I can only teach meditation in a meditation hall because that's what it is and that's the thought I have about it, then I don't jump on here and teach meditation in this way. You know what I'm saying? So then if anything can really mean anything, uh, there's a lot of freedom and that we kind of look at it as like, oh, it's nihilist, nothing means anything. Well, nothing means anything, but also it can mean everything at the same time. And that space comes from that sort of observer awareness that can see things without having that tendency to sort of follow, 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 um, without awareness of that fluidity, that meaning that we are creating by, you know, what we, uh, sort of pay attention to and, um, in this monologue, with one quote by uh, Indian uh, sage Ramana Maharshi, he says that to focus on one thought is to exclude all other thought. So everything is kind of happening at one time, but we focus on one as if it's the only. And then something else comes up and we're like, oh no, what is this? You know, and then we're all uncertain and we're trying to find meaning. And then something else comes up. But really, what if we just hang back and see you know, that it's all there? And then we can really see the shifting. We can see reality more clearly from this perspective.
0: So how should people use this? Should people u- do the breathing and then do um, mm-hmm. then do the mindfulness meditation? Um, should they listen to mm-hmm. your voice every time? Mm-hmm. Should they do it once a day, twice a day, once a week, twice a week? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Give people a little bit of... You're the doctor. We need a, a meditation prescription here for, for most people. need
1: a prescription. Well, yeah. if... If you need therapy, go to therapy. Number one, we just legally right. <laughs> as far as meditation goes, uh, what I would recommend: start with uh, do the breath work each day. Um, I would start in the morning, and I would do that for seven days straight. And then, if you are feeling if you are feeling froggy, you know, if you are feeling you really want to get after it, then do the breath work meditation once in the morning. And then right before you go to sleep. Okay. And especially this is a great meditation for sleep because you're sort of turning down um, your cortisol, right? So then um, the next seven days, start with just one, um, you know, one of the, um, just once a day, um, if you'd like, but again, you can choose how you really want to use it depending because um, we don't want to dive too deeply into our stuff if we're not ready. So we don't want to meditate, meditate seven times a day to start. Just make it, you know, just progressively sort of increase. Um, but I think after that first seven days of breath work, then I would do the same thing. Um, so morning, um, but also you can do night if that's better for you or more intuitive or midday, where whatever it is that you want to do it, but it's dose dependent and you wanna have wanna do this daily. Um, so that second meditation we just did, um, that's a great place to start in the morning from that observer. You're sort of centering yourself in that observer. Uh, and then also again, like at night, um, Uh, You know, before work or after work, you know, wherever you see that there is space, that's where you really want to practice. But whatever time you use for any of these meditations, uh, you want to do it at the same time during the day. So you kind of want to ritualize it so it becomes a habit Um, and also um, centers you at very specific times and play around with that. Um, so you might notice that, okay, first seven days I did breath work, um, morning and night. Uh, and then the second week I did, uh, the, um, you know, the second meditation, a more open awareness, observer based meditation. I did that one, uh, you know, twice a day, same way. And I found that actually I sleep better when I do the breath work one. So instead I do the, um, I do the open awareness, the uh, observer one in the morning, and then I do breath work at night. Uh, So really just play around with it. Uh, And then also you can get to the point where you kind of understand my instructions, my philosophy, and you can just close your eyes and just embody that philosophy without the recording. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um,
0: I'm still doing twice a day. I I do one pretty much like in the mid-afternoon. And then uh, maybe mid-evening, um, but the breath work that I've incorporated, I do that now um, before I go to bed every night. And um, it's the first time that I've been able to go back to sleep mm. in about a decade, mm. no joke. Mm. And and a lot of that is my own recovery, but some of it is just the breath work of just being able to like mm-hmm. really just calm that initial cortisol surge yep. when you wake up too early. Yep. And that just makes all the difference in my life. I got to tell you,
1: I'm glad, man. I'm glad. It's um, it, it was this uh this fascinating thing I, I found with myself in my own meditations, that when I was able to let go of full full breaths, that's when my thoughts started to slow down, and when I noticed that, it kind of, it drastically changed the way that I thought really about mental health, um, human biology. Sort of the shortcut to slowing down our minds, slowing down our bodies, uh, very, very powerful. Um, especially that breathwork one. I um, I'm getting a lot of feedback from folks that that's a an ideal one um,
0: mm-hmm. right before sleep. Yeah. Um, how did how did you find meditation? How did you start this journey? Mm. Um, what, what you know? What what mm-hmm. if if people want to know more? You mm-hmm. know, how did you get here and in- you know what, what? What else are you nerdy about in in med- the meditation world? The meditation world. <laughs> uh, well, how did I
1: get here? So I'll start with the first time I meditated, 2016. Um, before before Trump was was elected, this wasn't you know they weren't weren't related. Um, but I began uh, by Being involved with our mindfulness clinical team in my uh, PhD program, and I began a daily practice, and just focusing on the breath and 15 minutes, and then it was over. But there was no underlying philosophy really to that. Then, as I read more about, um, in particular, um, Buddhism and psychoanalysis, uh, Mark Epstein, fantastic uh, author, Thoughts Without a Thinker, first book I read. um, As trippy as it sounds. Um, and then within that, I started to see that my reactions uh, were not always uh, in line with reality, which is quite the, the mind mindfuck. Um, but then I started to observe this in real time. So I would see, oh, shit, that thing I just thought, once I relaxed, then it wasn't true anymore. So that's when I started to come up on what um, Buddhists call ego. Right, Ego or personality, your assumptions, your thoughts, Um, just naming reality. And then I started to see that that mechanism was separate from actual reality. And when I would feel safe uh, and calm, I could perceive reality clearer. And these moments of um, sort of uh, just righteousness is when I really clearly see ego. And I started to notice that and not follow it. So as mm-hmm. you know, I'd practice each day and then I had started to try different things, especially when I met um a a, a Buddhist teacher uh while I in, in Long Island. Um your 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 home your home.
0: Don't don't tell uh, me
1: I'll tell you sorry, I just told everybody. Um so uh so when I met her she re- Where was this it? This was in uh, Long Island, Stony Brook University. Oh, okay,
0: uh, okay, way out uh, there. Yep,
1: yep. I was on uh, internship um, after I finished four years and in, in my PH2 program. So this was full-time clinical work, seeing patients full-time. And she really grounded a lot of the uh, Buddhism that I was learning um, in combination with psychoanalysis. She grounded it in this compassionate perspective. She taught mm-hmm. me... Uh, to really soften my stance towards my ego to remind, because sometimes I react and I'm like, "Oh, stupid ego, I got to tear it off," blah blah blah. Um, but really, this thinker in our heads needs love. It's afraid, and I just remember her. She goes, um, "She goes, Broderick, if you want to be as good of a therapist as you say you want to be, then you're gonna have to learn how to feel." And, yeah, and that then led me into being in my body more. As I got in my body more, I then began going to therapy um, uh, with a psychoanalyst. And uh, I hated it because he was just my main defense, which is my intellect, and my talking and my thinking, I could use none of it. And it was lame and uncomfortable. And I loathe that I still have feelings about that. But that man helped me so much. To just mm-hmm. see and slow down and be. Yeah. And that reality as it is, being able to see reality as it is, uh, that is what promotes psychological health and also happens to be the sort of core foundation to Buddhist Zen practice is it, it is sort of a it is so attitude. So rather than saying, oh, I, I think I'm, uh, a part of me is angry or, oh, you know, it's, I'm angry. That is enough. You know, I, I remember when, um, oh, man, this, this fucker, oh, he's, he's uh, if he ever hears this, uh, he'll, he'll laugh. But he goes, <laughs> he goes, uh, so I'm in there being pissed off about something, this righteousness, right? Blah, 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 how could they, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, uh, well, Broderick, it's, it's very easy to be angry. You know, especially as a man, it's very easy to be angry, but he's sure you're not sad. And I'm just like, (laughs) Yeah, dude, this motherfucker. I'm like, You piece of shit, you. Oh, dude. And I was like, Oh, you know, and just on and um, on my way home, obviously crying my eyes out. Um, (laughs) But uh, with him, his advice to me was, Why don't you just go home and be sad? And it was yeah. so common sense, just this as-it-is approach. And uh, at that time, I was deepening my meditation practice, simplifying it. So rather than all the bells and whistles, it was, how do I just be? Just be. Yeah. And um, I started to read less. I started to read shorter and shorter books because the teachings got very simple. There's a simplicity mm. uh, to this uh, this way of being. There's certain things to know. Um You know, but then a a lot of it is there's more bells and whistles. So as I uh, deepen my practice, as I work through a lot of my stuff, uh, you learn to feel yourself as you do, as you are. Whether it's emotions Mm of fear, sadness, whatever it is, you feel them and you feel them fully, and that's what it is in the moment. And reality is very direct with us. Uh, And so um, I will uh, still to this day, you know, read. Different, different things with this sort of direct style. Different, um, different books or teachings or things like that. Um, but really, now at this point, uh, my meditation practice has become outside of meditation practice. So it's every moment trying to maintain my observer awareness, right? While even right now in this moment, a broderick is just sort of happening. What I know is what I know. And I can't know any more than what I do right now. So anything I say, it can't be better than what it is. So let go of that extra control, you know that that uh that um you know that oversight that we have of ourselves. That oh uh well actually uh, Jesse uh you know, you know that that like trying to say the right thing. Just let yourself flow and be. If you're yeah. you know if you're a a, a fast talking guy from you know, 30 minutes outside of the Bronx and you got this greatness to you and it it just, it is what it is. You know, it is what it is and you let it rip. And um, when you- We have that in common. Oh yeah, dude. And when you calm down, man, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you just are and there's nothing, there's nothing more to be than what's right here. So it's um, meditation for me to sum it up. It's going from trying to be Broderick to stop trying because that's redundant. I already was. So it's just less doing, more acknowledgement of what is. And this has been me the whole time. And I'm still finding new nooks and crannies. Um, you know, so it's, it's been an exciting journey and it's, and it's still going. You know, I think it is for, for
0: all of us. Oh, for sure. And as the word world becomes a more complicated place, the applications of uh, mm-hmm. these wisdoms is never-ending never, uh, never ending and uh, evolving, mm-hmm. um, I would say. Yeah. Um, if, if people are at home mm-hmm. and they love what you're saying and they're really into it mm-hmm. and they kind of get into a flow with this meditation, w- what should they look at next? Not to overload them with a million books, but yeah, yeah, yeah. what would be a good, good next step?
1: Let's see. So uh, a couple of books... Let me just i'll give you three just to not overload it the first one zen mind beginner's mind i think that is one of the more uh, direct uh, digestible um, texts on buddhism Um, and i think it really highlights this as it is attitude because we're talking about meditation yes in the formal practice but also an underlying philosophy of a, um, direct reality as it is. Uh, and he talks about, you know, um, big mind versus little mind, right? Which is AKA awareness versus ego. It's a great, great, um, a great, great book that I think people can get a lot out of. Um, I think the last name of the author is Suzuki, a uh, very, very powerful book. Uh, and the second, um, book. So this one is, um, so Chagyam Trungpa, um, is one of my favorites and, um, especially for men out there listening. Um, he put compassion to me in a way that was palpable. You know, I had a hard time with that sort of, Oh, like a flower and flowy. And it was a bit too much for my, my very, as you can tell, masculine ah, kind of conditioning, right? (laughs) I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm swinging on that side. Um, (laughs) Uh, but how do you engage uh, in concepts of love as a as a masculine man a very protective man so chagyam um his book uh the sacred path of the warrior chagyam Trungpa, um, really rooted in what we call a uh, shambhala practice so it's a tibetan buddhism he talks a lot about basic goodness how everyone is basically good uh when they um you know from birth Their their right to be, when they're born, they're good enough. End of discussion. It's just about realizing that basic goodness and removing confusion about who you are or whether or not you're good. Um, So fantastic book, has fantastic imagery and things like that. Chagim Trungpa, check him out. He's got a lot of good stuff. Um, If you really want to take a deep dive and really understand, um, you could say Buddhism, but also just reality. Um, next, I'll say uh, the book um, Spiritual Teachings of Ramana Maharshi. So, hmm. fair warning, this one's a little bit trippier, but for you all <laughs> folks who like to get out there, Ramana's the guy, that process of who am I, right? Is, yeah. He was an Indian sage, I believe, in the 1800s, um, who was, who in this book, just includes question and answer from him and his devotees so you get to oh, cool. yeah it's great you get to hear anxious people just like us asking this <laughs> literally this enlightened being fully enlightened uh, questions and he just his responses you get to see everyone sort of thinking together um, then lastly I would recommend uh, Ram Das's be love now mm-hmm. so spiritual teacher Ram Das um, he a lot of YouTube content. Very, very good. Oh, yeah. Um, similar to Alan Watts, who also has a lot of great um, YouTube content. Um, and these talks can range from, uh, you know, anywhere from 10 minutes. Um, Ram Dass' How to Love Yourself, 10 minutes um, of just straight wisdom. Um, in, in all the way into two hours or, you know, three hours, you know. So however uh, however you want to use use some of these resources. But that book, Be Love Now, Really details his understanding of love and oneness, interconnectedness, um, based on his experiences with his Indian guru, um, and really, um, you know, part, uh, you know, part uh, narrative storytelling, um, and then part just uh, his life and his philosophy. Um, but yeah, those are the texts I would really um, begin with: with uh, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, um, really being the baseline for folks. Um, cause this philosophy is, um, the translation of Eastern, you know, vision into a Western world. And I think, um, Suzuki does a great job with that. Um, as well as, um, Chogyam. he taught in the U S for a while, kind of a wacky, wacky teacher, wacky guy, fun guy. He's, he's funny. Um, and then Ram Dass, obviously from, um, from the West, uh, and then Ramana's um, philosophy is also embodied, really, by um, by Ramdas as well. But I think that um, Ramana Maharshi is, is a bit more Eastern, maybe a little bit more hard, to, difficult to follow. But I'm um, just a very deep and rich, rich teacher and
0: text. Beautiful. And we'll put all these resources up at uh, mentalhealthmedia.org uh, slash meditate. Um, where you can listen to these two podcasts. If you're, if, you, if you're on this podcast and you're looking for the first one, we'll make sure we'll have that up there as well um, as a few more resources that you can access uh, for a very low cost or free to get you started on your meditation journey. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time and uh, and wisdom, Dr. Baraday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this special edition with Mental Radio. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is to share it. iTunes and Spotify, they don't do a lot to promote the podcast. And we need your support by sharing it. You can tag me at Zookman on Twitter and on Instagram at Z O O K M A N N or Dr. Broderick uh, at Broderick um, A88. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, retweet you. I will follow you. Dr. Broderick might be a little bit more selective in who he follows, but I think you got a reasonable chance with Dr. Broderick. Um, that really helps us out. And if you want to figure out how you can get involved more with the project, check us out over at mentalhealthmedia.org uh, where we've got all of our links and all of our info. And um, yeah, you can find out uh, how to plug in. We got some t-shirts, we got some stickers, um, so on and so forth. Uh, as always, this uh, podcast is produced by A.V. Flocks. with a special thanks to Tom Trottier, Tamara Broadhead, and Patrick Mohan. Thanks to all of our uh, GoFundMe supporters, Mecky M., Carolina P., Ryan P., Chip and Nads, Metal D., Tall Paul M., Joel R., Ben G., Vinny R., Patty M, Sean H, Linda E, Franklin G, Johnny P, Sophia M, Jackie M, Bob S, Rose P, Jeannie A, Handy H, Tim W, Stephanie P, Patrick L, Stephen J, Judy B, David L, Stuart M, Jim E, Cash G, The Smo, Alex B, Marilyn S, Colin F, Lauren B patricia m phil a and ivan m um and that in the background is basho the therapy cat so thanks to basho the therapy cat for adding his two cents as well and uh, i hope you like this one Uh, i'm really proud of uh really proud of this one uh this episode with dr broderick it's real meditation real skills um we're getting amazing feedback on the first meditation, um, introduction to meditation, breathwork. You can look out, look up wherever you get podcasts over at mental, or over at mentalhealthmedia.org. Um, I'm hoping this one helps people too. Everyone's really stressed out. So it's time to take a breath and look at your thoughts and see what is. It is really a privilege to be able to bring this to the world. Please help us do that more and share as much as I can. All right. I appreciate you, everyone. Hang in there. Take care of yourselves. Look out for each other. I'll talk to you later. Zag is up.